Ole Miss fans, you can never be too careful, especially these days and with young kids at home. Don't take any chances and secure your home with Eufy Smart Lock, an easy install all-in-one security device for your front door and that peace of mind we're all looking for. I myself am a Eufy user, and I can tell you firsthand, go ahead and ditch those house keys forever, grab a Phillips head screwdriver because that's all you'll need, and give Eufy Smart Lock a try today. No monthly fee, and Eufy customer service is waiting on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. So what are you waiting for? Head to Vault Hemingway or the Pavilion or Swayze Field to cheer on your Ole Miss Rebels with the reassurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Smart Lock. Eufy Video Lock makes it easy to keep an eye on things back home. Its built-in camera can tell you who's at the front door from the comfort of your stadium seat. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com, eufyofficial.com slash video lock, to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Smart Lock and Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. It's your last day. It's your last Talk of Champions, David. Do you feel sad, the wistful feeling of graduation, or is it like a long, lengthy, nasty breakup? What are you feeling right now? I feel like I'm getting out of prison. Oh, wow. No, 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 not at all. Uh, you know, we're going to do this podcast like there is no tomorrow. Oh, well, okay. Now we've set up a lot of expectations for a podcast. Expectations, probably- yeah. Yeah, it's probably going to be pretty mediocre, but we're going to do it anyway. Colin Brister's coming on to talk Ole Miss baseball. Ole Miss took two of three at Tulane this weekend. Ole Miss basketball beats Georgia. Spring practices start on Tuesday, that being Tuesday tomorrow. What are you looking most forward to right now, David? What are you feeling? Man, spring practice. I, I, I am really excited about spring practice. I know that that may sound cliche, but I'm anxious to see what the Rich Rodriguez version of the Ole Miss offense is going to look like. How Mike McIntyre is moving the pieces around on the defensive side of the ball because you're going to look out there and there are going to be some guys in some unfamiliar spots. Um uh, Kadir Shepard playing outside linebacker, you know, things like that. Uh, Beto Jones lining up uh, in this defense as a defensive end. Josiah Cotney, I understand, is going to play the, play the nose. Um, I, I'm excited. I, I really am. Some young guys who have got to step up. It's now or never for, for, for some young guys on this football team. And, and Ole Miss desperately needs it to be now and not 
never. Um, there, there's a whole lot of stuff to watch this spring. You know, the synergy of this new coaching staff, and it is, you know, by all accounts, a new coaching staff. I mean, you know, once this outside linebacker or inside linebacker's position is filled, uh, that's five new faces on this coaching staff. And, um, you know, so you're going to kind of sit back and look at the synergy there. How are things uh, different? How are they the same? Uh, I can tell you now the intensity level, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, I think is going to be, uh, uh, you know, through the ceiling uh, from from the reports I'm getting over the course of the last three weeks. Uh, that's going to be fun to watch. And um, so that's what kind of gets me excited right now. Kadir Shepard is an outside linebacker. Both make sense and is intriguing to me. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, I, I can't wait to see how the pieces of that defensive puzzle are shifted around. I mean, there are 185 linebackers on the Ole Miss roster, which four, which four are going to be your guys in this three, four defense. And then, uh, you know, you've, you've got, you know, the, the, the whole situation where you got a kid like Lakia Henry, who's not going to get to campus until late May. He's not going through spring practice. Uh, you know, how, how is the landscape going to look back there once he arrives? I mean, does somebody have a, a bang up spring and all of a sudden, you know, there's going to be an unexpected position battle back there. I think there are going to be position battles all over the field. I mean, everything is wide open. Uh, you know, what, what things look like going into spring tomorrow uh, could very well look a lot different by the time the Grove Bowl rolls around. Is there any position battle in particular that you're most paying attention to? You can't really say offensive line because they don't have a ton of depth. You know the names there, who the starting five is probably going to be. So is there a position that could be pretty heated? I think wide receiver makes some sense. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think uh, – you know that, of course, they're going to play a deep rotation at wide receiver, but the pecking order of that rotation is going to have to work itself out. And and I'm I'm really more interested. Look, we know Elijah Moore is going to be the guy in the slot. I, I'm I'm more interested in in how those edge positions with the receivers are going to work themselves out. You know, formerly known as DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Demarcus Lodge. How's that all going to play out this spring? And you're not going to replace those guys. But who's next up? I mean, that's the question that has to be answered. And then, again, you know, you're going to get all this in spring. But, man, fall camp could look a lot different. Again, you know, I mentioned Lakia Henry coming in here. But what if Jerrion Ely all of a sudden is in your backfield come August? I mean, we don't know the definitive answer to that yet. So, uh, And the transfer portal's out there. I understand that, uh, you know, number one priority in the transfer portal is going to be a defensive lineman because you can never have enough depth on the defensive line, particularly quality depth. Uh, But uh, there may be some other spots open that they could add some other potential transfers as well. So um, there's there's a lot to take in this spring with Ole Miss football. It really and truly is. You know, it's going to look a little light out there. Some familiar faces no longer going to be out there. Some new faces will be. um, I I mean, I'm just excited. I, I, I mean, I, I think this is a uh, we're going to we're going to find out a lot about this fall, this spring, if that makes any sense. How does the transfer portal recruiting work? Like when will you know if you're an Ole Miss fan, whether or not Ole Miss is going to add or or get a few players from the transfer portal? Is there like a yeah, definitive date? Is there like a cutoff time? Well, there's no cutoff time. But well, what has to happen is Ole Miss right now is is when once these incoming players get here in entirety from the 2019 class they are stacked up to 85 scholarships with those guys there's no room however 
defections will likely occur. As a matter of fact, we already know one, Eric Sweeney is going to open a spot up at the end of this semester. He's still on scholarship until the end of May, but his his imminent departure, which he has already declared, he is in the transfer portal uh, and is not going through spring practice, that's going to open up a spot right there. So you know you're going to have one. There could be some other attrition as well. We're just going to have to uh, have to wait and see. So you think defensive line is where they really pursue if they go after a transfer? Yeah, I do, and 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 for a couple of different reasons. Number one, they need some more depth on that defensive line. Again, quality depth, and then second, you know, when when you're talking about transfers, let's just say you were looking for an O line transfer. That's kind of a hard deal to cut in regards to if, if an offensive lineman is leaving a program. He, he wants to go somewhere basically, as the case with any transfer, that he's going to be guaranteed to start. And, and with an offensive lineman, it's kind of like a quarterback. You're either the guy or you're not the guy. Uh, the only way you're getting in is if somebody gets hurt pretty much. But if when you talk about a defensive lineman or a linebacker or wide receivers, there's a rotation. You know, so so it's not am I going to start necessarily? It's am I going to have an opportunity to get on the field? And 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 I think that that makes the path a little bit easier to bring in a defensive lineman, a wide receiver, a linebacker, a DB, somebody who's involved in the game from a rotational standpoint, as to bringing in a guy from another program who obviously couldn't cut it there and is looking for a place where he is going to be the starter. Does that make any sense at all? It, it does. It, it for me, if you're looking for transfers to fill holes. You're in a bad way if you're looking for linemen and quarterback because those are the guys you're always wanting to be developing. In basketball, Kermit Davis always wants to develop a freshman developmental big. And in football, you always want to be developing quarterbacks and linemen because you never want to get to the place where you look around and go, crap, need a left tackle today. Oh, crap, need a right guard. That's when you know you're in trouble. And Ole Miss isn't quite to that place, but depth-wise, they're not – in an overall good place as far as the offensive line is concerned. So if they can well, find somebody to add depth, maybe, but even then, why is that? How is that person maybe um, all that much better than whatever you've been developing up to this point, if any better at all? Well, and then, you know, the, the hard part is convincing someone to, hey, come here and help us add depth. That's not what a transfer wants to hear. Yeah, nobody wants to hear, hey, we, we really need you to be a good depth piece as, as left guard for us. Right. Right. And, and and that makes it a little bit tougher. Now, an uncomfortable topic here that I think we can segue to is, you know, a year ago, 14 months ago, eight, 16 months ago, whenever it was, and you had this exodus of players from the program, the general attitude at the time, not from the coaching staff, mind you, but, but the general attitude you picked up on the message boards and things were, uh, was that, okay, these guys are leaving. So what? So what? They're not starting anyway. Well, flash back on that, on, on the players that were here that could be here now and could help you. Let, let's take, for instance, Van Jefferson. You know, no longer here, but if he were, that'd be a big piece of the wide receiver puzzle right now. Would you not agree with that? Yeah, Trey Nixon, uh, one guy that sticks out the most to me right now as far as what they need because wide receivers, Ole Miss has recruited well there. Jack yeah. DeFore. Jack DeFore. Perfect example right there. Uh, no longer here at the time. Well, he wasn't playing anyway. Yeah, but the day was coming that that all those guys would have been. Uh, I mean, you know, you could even say Deontay Anderson. Um, oh, I don't think Deontay would have ever really played. Well, 
It, it doesn't matter. Know. It doesn't oh, matter. Okay, but the, okay, here's yeah. one. Now, here's one that wasn't part of that exodus, but is now in all Big 12 safety, Greg Eisworth. Yes. Gone. You know, boy, been nice to have him around. So, you know, when those guys do leave the program, it's not the impact they have when they exit. It's the impact they have when they're not here anymore, and it'd been nice to have them. Yeah, at the time, does it really affect your on-the-field product and your starting lineup? No, you're not looking at it the right way. Next time there's a transfer issue, hopefully almost never has to go through it again, but if there's a transfer issue, look at what the way in which those positions project for the future because that's when you're going to see the hit. You're not going to see it now. You're going to see it later and watch those particular positions in recruiting. And Ole Miss, while it had a, a quantity recruiting class in the offensive line this year, Overall, there's a gap between their starters and what they have as far as depth is concerned and what the rest of the room is going to look like come August. It, there's just going to be a sizable gap as far as age and development and all that stuff. Uh, you've mentioned it before. You don't know really if any of these guys coming in can help right now, maybe, but offensive linemen, you you want to be outside of Larry Tunsil and Greg Little. You want to be getting those guys in and develop them so they can be ready to step in like Ben Brown did, Alex Givens did. Ole Miss doesn't have those guys as far as Greg Little and Larry Tunsil in this recruiting class, so yeah. you can't really count on those guys to help. And um, well, he, the even a guy, even a guy like Javon Patterson, who was a five star coming out of Pell High School, right. that was able to help a little bit as a as a true freshman, but uh, you don't see that with the seven that they're bringing in. Now, someone could always surprise you, uh, but but generally speaking, you need a little time to to grow up and get a little bit more physically uh, imposing and stronger to play that offensive line position in the SEC. And, uh, you know, you hope these guys, particularly with the new red shirt rule, Ben, I mean, they're going to be able to get some serviceable snaps out of these guys. But, uh, you know, as far as, as quality depth, you, you, you're kind of concerned about that going in. And, and Ole Miss extremely lucky last season in the injury department on the offensive line. There were some guys who played through some bang-ups. But really, the, the biggest thing they had to deal with was Sean Rawlings' ankle the last two games of the year. Uh, they were pretty healthy up front, knock on wood. you got to hope that it stays that way for this 2019 season. All you offensive line parents stick together. How Jack DeFord do at Georgia Tech? Uh, Jack, uh, I think Jack is set to start at Georgia Tech this year. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, he, uh, yeah, the, uh, those kids, I think they still stay in touch with Jack and talk a good bit. And I think, uh, I think he's doing fine, doing well. Well, and he, he's closer you. to, he's closer to home too. Look, he wanted to get back closer to home. But it just shows you though, as far as Ole Miss is concerned, there's a guy that would have been competing this spring for a starting job with a left guard position that, is the question mark. If if all things were equal, I think Ole Miss would prefer Alex Gibbons to be the right tackle and Royce Newman be the left, but Royce Newman's one of the few versatile guys that can move around and can play guard or tackle, and that's why when I asked you last week, I give you Alex Gibbons or the field to start at left tackle, you say Alex Gibbons. Um, left guard needs to be Royce Newman because Jack DeFore isn't here to compete with Jalen Cunningham and Hamilton Hall and whoever else is involved in this. Can Hamilton Hall be something before he's done? Oh, yeah, of course. I, I think so. And I, I think Jalen Cunningham can too. Um, you know, the, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I said Alex Givens at left tackle simply because uh, he's the best offensive tackle you've got. And he's one of the best tackles in the league. Yeah. Uh, but it also enables you uh, to put Bryce Matthews in his natural position, which I think is right tackle. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, 
you know, so I, I think that's going to happen. I don't know that's the way they'll break out tomorrow uh, when we see that offense on the field the first time because I know they've used different combinations over the last three weeks as, you know, they've been doing limited non-ball drills. Uh, you know, there have been some lineups that um, yeah, that that you've seen Alex at left tackle and Royce at left guard, and, and then there have been some lineups where you've seen Royce at left tackle, Alex at right tackle, and then a combination of Chandler Tewitt and Jalen Cunningham the left guard so uh you know that that's going to be interesting to kind of kind of chart out as the spring goes on um and again as you mentioned the wide receivers i think that's intriguing over there who's going to step up who's going to have the best spring um and then um you know I, i'm excited about seeing grant tisdale um you know and, and obviously matt corral's a starter but if anything were to happen grant tisdale being the guy that's here right now and being the guy that's here right now that that looks most built to run a Rich Rodriguez offense. I mean, he could be your guy in, in the blink of an eye this fall, knock on wood, if anything unfortunate were to happen. So, you know, I, I want to see what he looks like this spring. My impression of him, Ben, is he's a very, very intelligent football player. And I think Cerebral he's got a Cerebral quarterback. Up. Yes. Cerebral quarterback. First time I wanted to get that into the football season. So I, I always like to talk about a quarterback and his cerebral presence. You hear it all the time. No one yeah, yeah find you it. know, you're in trouble if your quarterback's not cerebral <laughs> to begin with. It's 9.43. There's plenty of time between now and when spring practice opens. But do you expect a new linebacker hire to be made by then, or do you think it's fair to say they're going to be opening without that other position being filled? I, I think they're going to open without that person being on the field. Um, you know, there's a process. I mean, you know, if, if I understand this correct, Correctly, uh, university policy and state law dictates Matt Luke has to interview three candidates. And, and, and without saying who, I, I know for a fact he's interviewed one at this stage. Uh, so, you know, there may have to be a continuation of Dog and Pony Show to get through the, the mandated interview process that will affect the timing of any kind of an announcement uh, that might be forthcoming. Dang, I sounded like a politician there. Oh, you did. Over under seven and a half practices, the new uh, linebackers coach will be coaching at Ole Miss. Under. Under seven and a half. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, th I think it'll happen. I think it'll it's going to happen quickly. I don't think there's anything that's going to be uh, dragged out. Does this football team have any dogs out there like AJ Brown, who'll be the loudest guy on the field? That's my question. I just want to see. Where good, the leadership come from? I have no idea where it's coming from. Good question, man. I mean, I, I think you're going to see a, a different football team, and 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 you know, you, it's the land of opportunity, is what it is. Because like, it, if it, if you were is. a guy that was sitting in the background and you're a major comp contributor, but you didn't want to speak up because you wanted to play your role and let uh, what you thought the leaders were, let them do their thing. But you, you look around, that oh, could be my time. And you want to start speaking up and letting see, seeing if people gravitate towards you, now's your time. If you were uh, a developmental person that was looking to get some playing time, now's your time. It is the land of opportunity. This very much feels, like I mentioned to you last week, very much feels like 2012 to where mm -hmm. this roster and this lineup, the starting lineup, could go any number of directions and none of it would surprise me. Yeah, I, I think that's well put right there. I mean, the dynamics are different, all right? I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. When you've got nine guys walking around your locker room, 
that are setting the tone because they're the best players, nine guys going to the NFL combine. That's why I pull out the number nine. And all of a sudden, those guys are gone. And you look around, and we talked about this last week, Ben. Who's the superstar on this team? A program that has been full of superstars over the last several years. Yeah, you could always look at that team or whatever team it was and say, there's the superstar, there's another, there's another. Look at this team, not since 2012. If you looked around and gone, okay, wait, he maybe, could be, possibly. Yeah, who's, who's the guy? I don't know. Who's the guy? Because I, I right now, personally, I don't think there is a single – Maybe one, maybe two at the most preseason all SEC selections on this football team. Who would those uh, be? I, I, I mean, I, I think uh, obviously Alex Givens has a uh, has has to ought to rightfully yeah. have an opportunity to be preseason all SEC, and then perhaps Scotty Phillips' numbers from last year catch somebody's attention. Benito and Jones. He, uh, maybe, 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 but uh, maybe. the SEC is a league full of outstanding defensive linemen. That's a tough one. It is. It is. But but the point being, this is exactly what Matt Luke said he wanted with this program, a blue-collar football team. He's got it. It's Yeah, here. but I don't think he meant um, a bunch no, of no, question he, marks he, he, and he a lack of talent overall. I don't he, think he, he, he didn't mean void of talent. Yeah, I don't think he meant, you know, we're going to be blue-collar because we're not going to have the same weapons as everybody else, but we're going to put our hands in the dirt and we're going to get to where I don't uh, we're going to get our lunch pail and we're going to go fight the monsters. I don't think that was the I, I think they're going to do that. I, I really and truly do. I, I, I think uh, Rich Rodriguez coming in, taking over that offense, has put an aggressive mindset into his offensive attack. Um, I, and, and I think that's going to show up as smash mouth. I, I, I mean, of course, he's running out everything out of the spread, but it's not going to be a finesse kind of deal, Ben. I mean, it, it's really not. These guys are going to line up, and they're going to want to punish an opposing defense. It's going to be a little twist to what we're used to around here. The podcast brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there, like recently. You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, so they'll probably want to talk some Ole Miss basketball, baseball, spring football practices. But more importantly, they want to make the process as seamless as possible and make sure you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both work for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. That's an affiliate of 247 Sports. Ole Miss took two of three at Tulane over the weekend, four and two overall now. What's up with the pitching offensively? What are the thoughts of Colin Brister? He contributes to the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com. He wrote actually this morning a story called Monday Morning Analytics in which he laid out his case for Thomas Dillard hitting up in the order as well as breaking down the Ole Miss pitchers and things like that. He's going to join us here in a second on the Chinese Pharmacy phone line. Before we get to it, I will say, David, there was a little concern on Saturday after Ole Miss loses on a walk-off on a career day for Thomas Dillard, got eight RBI, that – they were going to lose that series on Sunday, fell behind three to nothing to battle back. I think it's a testament to uh, this team. They're never going to be out of it with this offense. Yes, they're still trying to figure some, some things out with the, the pitching staff, with the starting rotation, but this is a good team. 
And hey. um, while it's early and while everyone was spoiled to them uh, not losing a non-con game until nine games in, they're fine. They're going to be fine. Just win some series and figure stuff out. This is the time to figure things out. Yeah, I thought about you Saturday as Thomas Dillard was was driving in all of those runs down there in New Orleans. Uh, you're a Braves fan. I, I mean, everybody knows that. Does he ever remind you of Bob Horner just a no. little bit? You no. don't think so? He reminds me of Kyle Schwarber. He reminds me a little bit of Bob Horner. Yeah, no. No, but I do like the idea of batting him leadoff because it would be like a Ronald Acuna type deal. But um, the, the really interesting part for me is I thought analytically, because he got the most at bats, he only lead off the game once, why I wanted him to hit leadoff. Putting him there, he'd get more opportunities to drive and runs. Well, uh, Colin actually dug deep into the numbers. He would get more opportunities in a college lineup, getting more RBI opportunities to drive and runs, batting third. And that's an interesting thing because college baseball and Major League Baseball are different things entirely. In college baseball, you're operating a season of small samples. And Thomas Dillard, you want that guy at the plate with every dude you can possibly get on base. That's what you want. You want him there to drive in runs. And he's done nothing but just drive and run after run after run. It's just crazy to me that he drove an eight RBI on Saturday and Nothing to show for it but a loss. Yeah, yeah. You you think Mike would loan him to the softball team for <laughs> a series or two? Yeah, is it not going well over there? Uh, you know, it, it went rough out in Austin. Uh, of course, now look, they they lost two games to Texas out there, which is the eleventh ranked team in the country, and they're going to move up in the polls today. But no offense yesterday against Texas. Texas outscored the field out there thirty to four over the weekend. Ooh. Uh, Ole Miss scored three of the four on Texas, but Ooh. a disappointing loss to Tulsa on Friday. They, they Then Ole Miss took two from Sam Houston, and then Texas just kind of had their way with the Rebels. And, uh, you know, it, it's not a lot of run production to support what has been some pretty good pitching efforts up until yesterday, and then Texas just kind of took the whole staff apart. So uh, eight and six right now. But here's the thing. They have played probably, you know, one of the no doubt toughest schedules in the country over the first three weekends. Uh, but that's how the SEC is, so so nothing's going to change. Uh, the schedule's still going to be very tough and very daunting. Uh, Molly Jacobson been a, been a bright spot until Texas got to her yesterday. She had pitched 24 consecutive scoreless innings. That's the JUCO transfer from Iowa. She is everything we thought she was going to be, and um, you know I think she'll ultimately end up being their number one pitcher once SEC play starts in two weeks. Well, Ole Miss baseball is 4-2, and two, but let's take a stock report anyway. It's Colin Brister on the Chaney's Pharmacy phone line. This is Talk of Champions. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Chaney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Chaney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Chaney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. At Chaney's Pharmacy, you get the best customer service out there. So give Chaney's a call, 662-234-7221, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, ChaneysPharmacy.com. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Joining us now on the Chaney's Pharmacy phone line is Colin Brister. Why? Because Ole Miss baseball took a two-game win in the series against Tulane in New Orleans. Colin, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on, my guy? Ole Miss baseball, rocky after Saturday. Fell behind three to nothing on Sunday. Came out of it with a series win. You look at where they are right now. 
What are your impressions so far? Uh, yeah, I thought they, I kind of think they're right where they need to be. Everybody, you know, gnashed teeth over the uh, Wright State loss and whatever. Wright State went to Oklahoma State, who's ranked number 19, and won a series this weekend. Wright State's a good baseball team. Now, I didn't expect uh, Tulane to be as as good of a baseball team as they were. Uh, Tulane was a pretty clean baseball team. They played well this weekend, and Ole Miss was able to go on the road and win two games against a team that I wouldn't be shocked if they're in the NCAA tournament in March. And frankly, Ole Miss was two outs away, maybe one out. I can't remember how many outs there were when Parker gave up the homer uh, from sweeping that series. So, you know, I thought Ole Miss did, you know, it's, it's hard to expect to sweep on the road, you know, I mean, in any situation. So I thought Ole Miss did exactly what they needed to do this week. They win the midweek game by a lot. They go down and win two games uh, against the, the two line team that, like I said, was a pretty good team. If you're looking at the pitching, up and down are there true concerns with the pitching staff do you think i think it's a little early i mean when you let's see a full weekend when well etheridge pitches i think that had such a big deal uh because you lose a, a arm like etheridge and you got to replace those innings somewhere um and you know here's the thing too they were really good in the bullpen on on friday and sunday they throw up scoreless i'm pretty sure they went scoreless on friday and sunday yes saturday was bad um, and you know, a lot of people, you know, attribute that to the wind blowing out and sure that had something to do with it, but Ole Miss was bad on Sunday, on Saturday in the bullpen, but they were really good on, on Friday and Sunday and they locked down, uh, you know, performances when their pitchers didn't really give them much length. So no, I mean, is it a concern? Maybe, but I, I think it's a little bit too early for that. And I think there's some bright spots in that bullpen too. I do think it's early. The sample size is too small, but after Saturday, I would have gotten it. Sunday, I saw some positive things. Um, Tulane only scored its runs, its three runs in one inning. Doug Nikhazy, Doug Nikhazy looks Ooh. every bit the dominant freshman that was pitching and setting the world on fire in the fall. And then in preseason practice, got hit a little bit, uh, but came around especially towards the end and has really rounded into form. The problem with Doug Nikhazy, the Doug Nikhazy conundrum is this. Ole Miss needs him in the rotation on the weekend, needs him starting in the midweek, need him need him out of the bullpen and middle relief, and need him closing games. <laughs> Other than that, Get it's it all, all good. You know? Other than that, it's Get all Doug good. Can throw 36 innings a week? Yeah. I, I don't know what his role is. I would venture to say, if I'm putting on my prediction glasses or my prediction hat or whatever, is that by the end of the year, Doug Nikhazy is going to be starting on the weekend. You're going to have two freshmen starting on the weekend. I think Gunnar Hockland's in – the weekend rotation for the long haul. Will Etheridge, let me know how the blister goes. That's something that can linger. I expect yeah. him to potentially be back for Long Beach, but I look at the starting rotation and I see a spot where Doug Nikhazy takes over and really runs with it and becomes a staple for three years. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think the stuff plays in the rotation. Uh, I think he can be a guy that you trot out there on Saturday and, you know, is maybe one of the better Saturday guys in this league because that stuff plays, man. That cutter is nasty, and he's got he's got he can throw a slide piece in there at any count. Uh, yeah, so I'm with you. I think it's very possible to look up in three or four weeks and Ole Miss is a little bit into SEC play, and uh, he's taking the ball on Saturday for the Rebels. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all at that, especially with you know if Parker's if he rounds into form and is what he is, and you, you're solidified on the back end of the bullpen, then. I think that gives you, you know, the the opportunity to do that too. What do we know Ole Miss's bullpen to be right now? Greer Holston has not been a part of it. And I've been asked about what Greer Holston's deal is. I asked Mike Bianco specifically about Greer Holston twice, and both times 
velocity's down, got hit hard in the fall, got hit hard in preseason practice. He's just behind other guys right now. What do we know then about the bullpen other than that? Parker Caracy looked good enough in his first career, or not career, but first season outing. Uh, but in the Saturday game, gave up the uh, winning home run after Thomas Dillard's career day in which he drove in eight runs and yet somehow Ole Miss lost the game. <laughs> what is the bullpen in your estimation, if you had to put some words on it right now? I think it's I think it's okay. Like, if you're wanting a, a, a phrase for it, I think it's okay. Like, I think Austin Miller and Connor Green have been really good this year. Connor uh, Green, the I, story of the first six games. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like I, I told you earlier, you know, he's really good as a freshman, uh, just kind of gets lost in the shuffle for two years and looks like he's back to what he was as a freshman, uh, throwing strikes. And he's always been a guy that can, can strike people out. He was really good for Ole Miss today. And I don't know if Ole Miss doesn't win that game or if Ole Miss wins that game, if he doesn't make those pitches, they were down, I think three to two with guys on second, third, first no, and third, three, three to two, first and third pop up to Gary Kessinger. And then a ground out to Greg Kessinger, and then he throws a scoreless inning the next inning. I think the yeah. expectations was, okay, we're going to use Connor Green here just to get out of the inning, and yet he could go even further for them, and that's important. It shows that he's coming along. And it's interesting when you talk about Connor Green, he was a side armor for the last two years. Something went wrong after that freshman year, and he changed some things up, tried to get that magic back, didn't happen as a side armor. But now he's going back over the top again. And he's found that success. I, I think he's probably tried to go over the top four in the previous two years, but for some reason he's found it. We're going to ask that question. We'll talk to Connor this week, I'm assuming. And when we do, I want to know about the arm slot. But I will say that he's throwing strikes, he's locating, and we forget really quickly and easily, and it's understandable because he was absent for two years, he was a very capable and competent and playable pitcher as a freshman. Oh, absolutely. I'm pretty sure he's freshman All-American. Um, he was one of the their main middle relief guys in 2016 with Andy Fagnazzi um, that Ole Miss relied on. He pitched in the 2016 regional um, against Tulane and Ole Miss in an elimination game. So yeah, Ole Miss relied on him a lot as a freshman. He's obviously got the talent to be out there and to get out. So yeah, uh, it, it's a cool story. You're, you're happy for a guy like that that sticks with it and uh, you know has that success. You know, but back on the bullpen Austin Miller's been really good for them he's pitched three really times mm -hmm. uh trying to let me see if I can pull up his numbers he's pitched six innings and given up one run and it was a cheap run against Wright State uh 6.1 innings and given up one run uh I think you know I think between him and and uh, Green you're going to be able to get some length out of those guys uh, I'm trying to see go down the list Doug Nikhazy's obviously been really good and a guy that we haven't talked about much Tyler is it Taylor or Tyler Myers Tyler Myers. He was really good in two appearances this weekend. I think he gave up a run over three innings, but he, you know, he pitches two innings on Saturday, gives up the run, which isn't considering how the game went on Saturday, giving up one run in two innings, probably not the worst thing in the world. Pitches a scoreless inning today. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy that's, that's been really good for Ole Miss. So yeah, I, I think they've got guys back there and I think they've got, you know, some talented guys that maybe struggled a little bit so far that, you know, that around in the form when we get into SEC play. Nikhazy pitched three times this week. Three times. Yeah. Started in five days. In bullpen twice. All of those times he was dominant. I a little bit concerned about overusage with him, but again, as I mentioned earlier, they need him to play all of these different roles. He's gonna settle in at some point. It's early. It's figuring some things out. Where can guys be slotted, this and that? I will say if there's any real concern, at least from my vantage point in dismissing the small sample, it's Zach Phillips. He's the one I'm worried about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not 
not great right now, man. You, uh, you, I'm trying to see this. See, he's pitched seven innings. He's got a 2.57 whip, uh, 10.29 ERA. Yeah. It's, it's not looking good. Uh, I thought he was better on Friday than he was, you know, uh, last week, but, uh, yeah, Ole Miss has got to get more out of that role. I know. What's up with his velocity. I wonder. It's, it's what's crazy because he was he was ninety one ninety two in inner squads wasn't he something like that at yeah, least low he is 90s. not that now no yeah he is not that now so uh, if he doesn't get that back I'm not sure sure where Ole Miss goes well I, I mean they've got options but I'm not sure if he if he doesn't get that back if he may not fall out of the rotation pretty soon when you look at Ole Miss offensively six runs on Sunday but it came on eight hits. I don't think there's any issue with their offense right now, though there are times in which they've struggled to score runs. But the weather was so wacky this weekend in New Orleans. I don't know if you can put much of a barometer on it at all or get a gauge of where their offense is. They're going to hit. They're going to be fine. I'm not worried about that. Um, I still, and you're going to write about it for a story on Monday, am concerned about where Thomas Dillard bats in this. Uh, He's (laughs) off to such a torrid start. You're saying he should hit third. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I kind of did pulled some numbers. Um, the most you, there's not, there's a negligible, I guess that's right, a negligible amount of a bat at bats in between second and third. Uh, there's very little difference in between second and third. If you go back and look at where, uh, at, at the, the amount of times the number two hole and the number three hole came up for Ole Miss over the past year. And you have way more damage opportunities in the three hole. Uh, you, you have a, a greater amount of guys on base, greater amount of guys at second uh, or at third in scoring position, uh, what chances to drive them in than you do at the number two hole. And, you know, before I kind of dug into that, I was a proponent of, you know, hitting them in the two hole. Same. But I, yeah, yeah, I would kind of, that's where I would have them. I would have them in the three hole. And the problem, I guess, with that is it puts Tyler Keenan, for me, this is what I would, it puts Tyler Keenan in the four hole because I want Keenan protecting him. And I don't know if, Keenan hitting in the four hole is the best option for Ole Miss either. I don't know who hits second in that scenario other than Greg Kessinger, and he's going to lead off. Greg Kessinger walks more than we give him credit for. He's a better on-base player than I ever thought he was when I started digging into the numbers. He was third on the team in walks last year. The contact approach, the first pitch swing approach, is something that you would think wouldn't lend itself to a high on-base percentage, and yet Greg Kessinger's on-base is right there where it needs to be. He's had a good start to the year as well. Um, but is there one player positionally that you would like to see more from or you think um, hasn't shown quite what he's going to be by the end of the year? Tim Elko? Yeah, I, I, I believe in him. I, and I get it. It's been rough. One, it's been bad, man. He's one for 13. He, he had a homer this weekend. I think he's one for uh, he's one for 16. Um, I believe in him, though. I, I believe it. I believe talent wins out. And there's a reason he dominated entry squads. I think eventually it translates. So yeah, if if there's a person that you tell me, hey, they struggled the first seven games of year six, whatever, uh, but in May they're hitting 280 with eight home runs. I think it's him. Um, I think he. I think he figures it out eventually. Anybody surprising you so far? Anthony Shavidio has um, been every bit as good as almost could have hoped he could have been coming into his sophomore year. He was really good in the outfield this weekend. I think he's really, the best really outfielder good. they have on the roster. Yeah, I don't know why he's not in center. If you're gonna if you're gonna do that, it doesn't really make sense to me. Um, I tell you what, well, that's that's it, just Mike Bianco's philosophy. Not good, not bad. Just a difference of opinion. He um, when he settles on somebody, which is Ryan Olenek, he's Ole Miss's center fielder. Is what Mike Bianco has decided, and he's going to play him there at center field, not move him around. He's not one of those people. It's like Bobby Cox. 
Bobby Cox said, this is my third baseman, Chipper Jones. He also hits third. Whenever Chipper Jones is in the lineup, he bats third, he hits, and he plays third base. It never deviated. And I do, he did that across the diamond. I think Mike Bianco takes a similar approach when he says, okay, this is the center fielder, this is my center fielder. He doesn't deviate. Whether or not he should is another matter entirely, but that's his philosophy if uh, you want to get into it too much. I, I do wonder if, if you know, eventually Jacob Adams wins the second base position and Ceridio wins an outfield position, and it's evident that Ceridio is going to be in the outfield every single day. I do wonder at that point, maybe yeah. they move him to center. Um, Jacob Adams has been really good, by the way. Done well. I, I've yeah. been harsh to Jacob Adams, and uh, I think Jacob Adams has certainly far exceeded my expectations, but taking a step forward from a year last year in which analytically and as far as his peripherals are concerned, wasn't as good as being a starting everyday player warranted. He, he just didn't have that those type of numbers to warrant the job that he had. So, yeah, he's been really good. But, you know, the the biggest thing for Ole Miss and, and the hell he's hit, which has made it even better, Cooper Johnson's been really good defensively, man. He picks off a guy in a big situation. I guess it was Friday night uh, that kill, kills a two-lane inning where they've got some momentum going. I don't think he's got a passed ball this year. Um, yeah, I, I think Cooper has been, I don't want to say surprised because he's always had this potential, but if he continues to play at the level he's playing at defensively, Ole Miss is going to be just fine. And right now he's hitting 294. I don't think that's going to continue. Uh, he's got a non 56 OPS. I know that's not going to continue, but you know, if man, if he puts up a 250, 260 average has 800 OPS and catches like he is, you can't don't need ask a lot. much more. You don't need a lot offensively at that position. Not a much. You don't need, don't a need lot. him in the six hole though. That's like where he was today, man. If we go down that rabbit hole, we could talk for, <laughs> we'll an be hour. there a while. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk for an hour about lineup construction. So I don't want to get into that because Mike Bianco believes in what he believes and he's forgotten more baseball than I'll ever know. So far yep. be it for me to question him. But when I look at this team, we're operating again, when we talk about this team on such a small sample, so it's hard to fully assess where they are. Two losses in the non-con took eight wins, nine games in total before they lost their first non-con game. Are you still bullish that this team is as good, if not better than last year? Oh, absolutely. Um, still. I, I, okay. Yeah. I, I think last year's team uh, was a little bit more experienced in the, on the, and who the guys they were going to count on. Uh, it takes time to team to jail, man. But I think when this team puts it together, yeah, I think they're more talented than last year's team. Now look, yeah, they're probably going to lose more non-conference games than last year's team did. Last year's team went 24 and two. They also didn't play East Carolina. Tulane wasn't as good as they were. Uh, Wright state is much better than uh, whoever they opened the year with last year. I can't remember who they opened the year with last year. It's relevant. Um, but yeah, I think this team is going to put it together, man. I, I still think they're a 39, 41 baseball team and, and they're a national seed. Like I, nothing over the first seven games of the year as, a, as six games a year has made me change my opinion on this team. Not a thing. Yeah. When I look at them, I always try to remember this is not football. This is not basketball. Win series. It's not about winning every single game you play. It's about winning series, period. And Ole Miss won the series at Tulane. Now, had they lost on Sunday, I think the concerns become more real, if that makes sense. They didn't get to finish the series against Wright State because the last game was rained out. So we don't know how that series would have concluded. Low-key might not have been a bad thing. Probably not. I, I think Gunnar Hogland, series today. Yeah, Gunnar Hogland debuting in the midweek was better for him as a debut rather than against a right state team that has shown capable already. Um, right. But I, I think this team, like you mentioned, 
is still figuring some things out. It feels like even Mike Bianco doesn't quite know what the rhythm of this team as far as lineup and pitching rotation and bullpen is yet. He's feeling some things out. Cooper Johnson batting six is a good example. Um, Carl Gendel getting innings in the outfield sporadically is a good example. Uh, Anthony Cerradio trying him out in the outfield. Jacob Adams is second. What does that look like? There are so many different combinations that Mike Bianco can play with, and that's the, this is the time to do that. This is the time to experiment. So there's going to come a time where he has to get into a rhythm and say, okay, this is what my lineup is. This is what my rotation is. This is my bullpen. But now is the time for what he's doing, and that's getting as many guys in there as he can, seeing who's emerging, seeing who's doing what, and then, all right, let's take a stock of what's going on, where Ole Miss is, and break it all down and line it all up. I just don't think they're there yet. And maybe last year going into the year, they were far more ready-made to just start the year than this team was. And I mean that by saying, when's the last time a Mike Bianco team had the same three starters on the weekend. It's hard to think about that. And yet you had every single Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, regardless of the change midseason, putting Feigl on Friday and Rollison on Saturday for like, what, a week? A week. Those three guys, James McArthur, Ryan Rollison, and Brady Feigl, were the weekend rotation every single weekend. I don't think Ole Miss is there yet. I think Gunnar Hogland's going to stay there because that's the best avenue in which to develop him and for his growth. But – He's still mixing and matching, and he just doesn't know yet just as, just as much as we don't know yet. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I, I think there's still roles to be established in the weekend rotation, in the bullpen, and the lineup, uh, whereas last year there really wasn't. Like last year you you knew the lineup. You knew if those guys hit, they were going to stay. If they didn't hit, they'd try something else. Well, for the most part, the guys they put in the lineup, with the exception of maybe Chase Cockrell, uh, kind of stayed there. Like Chase Cockrell bullied his way into the lineup. Other than that, pretty much everybody that started the uh, the game against Tennessee Tech that ended the season was the starter on opening day. Like, um, so yeah, I, I think this team has got a little bit more figuring it out to do. But once they figure it out, like I said, I think their I think their talent is endless, and and I think they're better than last year's team. Yeah, I, I stand by that. If you look across the lineup, across the diamond. Catcher, you know, is always going to be Cooper Johnson, other than Thomas Tiller catching in the midweek like he did last week. Right. First base is always going to be Cole Zabowski. Second base, question mark. It could be Jacob Adams. It could be Anthony Servideo. What does this team become? Who hits? Who doesn't? Who performs? Shortstop's always going to be Gray Kessinger, assuming he's healthy. Third base is always going to be Tyler Keenan. Left field, who's performing? Who's coming on? Who's producing? You don't know. Center field is probably going to be Ryan Olenek, of course, unless Anthony Servideo with Jacob Adams at second base stays in the outfield, and then there could be a question. And then right field, if Tim Elko doesn't hit, you have to make a move there as well. So there are a lot of different combinations. My man, you, you just left out Thomas Stiller. Well, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thomas Stiller is always going to play left field. Excuse <laughs> yeah. me. He's hitting 522. He better yeah. stay on left field. Well, see, now that Thomas Stiller has caught, my mind goes to, oh, Thomas Stiller could play any number of positions. And right, I forget right, right. that I still got in my brain Carl Gendel <laughs> playing left field and not seeing Thomas Dillard there from last week and think, oh, wait, wait where's Thomas Stiller? Oh, he's behind the plate. He's he's behind <laughs> the plate. So Thomas Stiller is always going to be in left field, but center field is going to be a toss-up and right field is going to be a toss-up too. So at least three yeah. positions, second, center, and right, in which it's not quite settled yet. And it's going to take some time. And then you and, look at the and whole rotation. Designated and that, hitter, too. Yeah. Well, designated hitter is going to be Chase Cockrell. He's going to you be. think? Yeah. He didn't play today. I think they would prefer Chase Cockrell not 
be in the outfield. We've been over this before. No, I, I agree. I'm just saying he didn't start today. Well, because so Michael Fitzsimmons needs some at bats. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He needed to get in there and get at bats. Had to get him. I mean, I think he was the last what you would call a regular or contributor, regular contributor at least, to not get some time. But start, those, yeah. those three positions and then the rotation and bullpen, all of that is still unsettled. Last thing here. What was your projection for wins? Uh, I think we said 42-ish. You did. I didn't. What did you say? I said 39. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, so you still sticking with 42 after six uh, games? We do this 42. every year. Every time you come on, it's a weekly thing during mm-hmm. baseball season. You come on, you talk about all the yeah, baseball sure. for 20, 25 yeah. minutes. Because I, I think they're going to win 20 conference games. Okay. So at Ooh, that's 22 high. and four, I mean, yeah, it is, but I really believe in this team. Um, 22 and four in the non-conference is a little bit excessive considering they've already lost two. Yeah, they've lost um, two. But they only lost two all last year. Like, uh, I mean, and I, you also don't know who they, who's going to be the midweek starter. Like, they haven't had the midweek starter start a game yet. Um, so, yeah, well, whatever. I think 40, 41, 42 is kind of kind of where they're going to sit. I'm sticking with 39. If you okay. say, all right, Ben, you got to pick because it's going to happen. They're going to win more than 39 or less than 39. Right now, I'd probably say less, but not much. Not much. No, nah, I mean – no, I, I think by the time this team gets into SEC play, they're going to have every kind of role figured out, and they're going to be you know rolling on all four wheels. What's their absolute floor for wins, do you think? Uh, well, let's just do SEC because the uh, it's so because really all that really matters is SEC wins, unless you just screw yourself in the non-conference. The absolute floor for this team is 15 SEC wins, which puts you as a three seed for two or three seed in a regional. I think that's kind of the floor is you go at really, really uh, under expectations, 15 and 15 in the SEC. So that means their overall record floor would be what? Uh, probably 33, 34. Yeah. I think their floor, absolute floor in overall record is 36. That's what I think. I'll never yeah. go below 36. I'll say they'll be anywhere from 36 to 41, 42. Yeah, I, and they've I think given that's me fair. nothing, even with the stuff that's concerning. They've given me nothing to think that that's still not exactly what they're going to do. Well, what's concerning is the pitching, and that's okay that it's concerning because the offense is going to bail them out. Like, like the offense has a OPS of I don't have it in front of me, but it's really good. Uh, I think it's like nine oh four, and that's going to play. So I, I think you know, look, I think this team's going to hit a lot, and they're going to bail some you know bad days of pitching out because the offense is so consistent. Tried to do it on Saturday. Parker Caracci couldn't hold it. You got to make sure to avoid going to Parker Caracci, I think, on back-to-back days. You think? Yeah. I feel like See, that's something that we've yesterday. learned here. I, I, Yeah. Yeah, but I want to protect him. I want to keep him as, as loose as possible. You got to protect the player a little bit. I think Parker Caracci not on back-to-back days is something that could work if, for example – Doug Nikhazy starts in the midweek until he becomes a rotation stalwart. Starts in the midweek. Let him close or get the save opportunity in place of Parker on Saturday. Let Parker go Friday and Sunday. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, that you want to keep Parker point. fresh, let him pitch a little bit in the midweek. Ben, I'm just looking kind of at, uh, at my spreadsheet here. Do you want to know my favorite stat of the offense so far? Sure. Okay. Uh, Ron Olenek is second on this team and runs created at 8.4. He is 10 behind the leader, who is Thomas Dillard, at 
Thomas Dover is about to have a historic year. 18.4 runs created in seven games, six games, whatever. That's three a game. And to think he's now two seasons removed from hitting 206, couldn't hit a lick. And here he is. Man. Monster. Do you think he can play Major League Baseball? Because I do. I don't know what his position is, but the battle play. You figure it out, kind of, don't you? He's kind of got a little bit of a profile of Austin Jackson. And Austin Jackson okay. is a developmental catcher for the Braves in the Braves organization. He was moved to the outfield for the Mariners, the, uh, originally a catcher coming out of college. The Braves traded for him, moved him back to catcher. Now he's in um, spring training camp with um, the Braves this year. I don't know if he's going to be anything better than a marginal backup in the major leagues if he ever gets up. But when you look at Thomas Dillard, he's not going to be a left fielder when he goes up. So what can he play? I don't know if the bat's good enough to hang at first base. He's never really played there. Show me a little bit more at catcher. And I think from a major league scouting standpoint, if he shows enough, they'll just put him there, stick him there and try to trim his body to whatever they want it to do, work on what he does well. Cause they think, okay, at an offensively starved position at catcher, if I can just give, get league average framing and, throwing and all that pop time from catcher from him that bat's good enough to be plus plus and it'll make his track a little bit faster if he ever gets to the major league you think that's why Ole Miss is catching him this year but yes. I mean obviously they, they don't they won't, yes. won't want Cooper catching 56 yes. that's to help him too I think Thomas has even said as much Mike Clement I asked him both exactly that question and both of them said yeah he's Colin Brister at Colin Brister on Twitter, contributes to the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Got a story up today on this Monday as you're listening to this podcast on the Ole Miss Spirit, an analytics story for Ole Miss baseball, as he will do every single week as long as he's not being lazy and all that stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, go check that out and check him out on Twitter at Colin Brister. Thanks, man. We'll talk again. Absolutely, bud. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. That was Colin Brister. This is Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Been on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions and iTunes. We're available on SoundCloud as well. Just simply search Talk of Champions and on the Ole Miss Spirit. That's an affiliate of 247 Sports. Ole Miss basketball beat Georgia, held on. Had to watch a 28-foot last-second three-point game-winning attempt by Georgia miss before they got it, but they got it nonetheless. And now... Needing really just one more win. I said my piece and written my piece about uh, the players kneeling. Um, I don't want to get into that really at all anymore. I think the story is done. And I will say one thing to add, though, for all of you that are uh, frustrated or disappointed. Again, I respect your uh, your ability to be dis- to be disappointed and 
um, wanting to see something else, another way of form of peaceful, peaceful protest. But the big part of peaceful protest is identifying why you're doing it. And Brian Tyree and Kermit Davis, they laid out the reasoning behind why Ole Miss did it. They said they wanted to do it as a one-time thing to protest what was happening on campus and on the square. But I will say, as someone who completely supports the players and supports the right of anyone to peacefully protest in a free country, when you define what you're protesting and what your protest is about, for Ole Miss, it's unique compared to other situations such as these where a player kneels during the national anthem. If you do it over and over and over again on Wednesday, on Saturday, whatever it might be, then you lose that message. You define what it is. And now to deviate from the definition, and you're going to lose that message with people who would otherwise not agree with you but now are sympathizing with your plight and are on your side. Um, You've made the statement. You've sparked the conversation. But to not lose that message and to not allow those that you pull to your side or at least to be sympathetic to you, I don't think you can kneel on Wednesday. We'll see how it works out. Uh, It's a complicated issue. I understand that. And there's very um, passionate passionate defenses on both sides but um if you're Ole Miss if you're the players I commend you for um following your teammate who first took the knee and showing solidarity but also to make sure that your message remains strong and intact um I would now say since you defined it uh, to kneel again would to be throwing your whole messaging into question but as far as the on the court product 19 wins nine wins in the league you need one more. I think 20 and 10 gets it done. Tennessee coming up next. They've lost back-to-back games, David. It's not so crazy to me anymore to think that Ole Miss can get that one at home. Well, that would be huge. It would absolutely be incredible. Uh, I would expect the environment, the atmosphere to be palpable inside the Pavilion Wednesday night. And and I think in any other sport, more so in basketball than in any other sport that matters. And, um, you know, so I hope everyone's out there supporting this Because if they win, they lock it up. It's over. Yeah. Not that they haven't already or that like a win at Missouri or a win at Arkansas wouldn't lock it up too. But like you win on Wednesday, it's done no matter what else you do. Nothing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, getting back to Saturday, Saturday was a day that just wouldn't end. I I mean, there's flooding in Oxford, sinkholes in Oxford. Uh, These idiots – out there on the square and, 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 and they are idiots. Look, and, and uh, whether you support the cause, their cause or not, whatever their cause is, their cause is to create trouble. So, so that's exactly what they did on Saturday. Uh, these people are, 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 are terrible, absolutely terrible. Uh, the reaction that the basketball team took, look, I got to tell you, I, I, I don't blame them. And I think they wanted to do something, um, to, to, to stand up to that crap going on. And that's what they chose. Now, whether or not you agree that it was the right method or not, I, I totally get that. But, 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 but I think the right idea and the right spirit was behind what they were doing Saturday, uh, they being the Ole Miss basketball players. So, uh, you know, more, more pressing things, uh, in front of them. Uh, let's get this NCAA tournament berth locked up and it'd be nice to do it Wednesday night. Yeah. Wednesday night it's over. And that's the interesting part of it. I think that just one more win in general gets it done. I think you'd feel most secure if you won at Arkansas and at Missouri. Um, but if you just were to get one game and get it done with Wednesday night would be the night to do it that way 
it doesn't matter if you lose out. You're still in. You're still in and you're comfortable. And I was trying to think back to the last time Ole Miss went to the SEC tournament not needing to do anything at all to get to the – I mean, go to the SEC tournament not needing to do anything at all to get to the NCAA oh. tournament. And yeah. I was like, what, 2001, 2002? And then they were four and a – think maybe a five or six in those years i mean oh my god i can't remember the last time i get it yeah, to be yeah a long time ago for sure i mean, I mean and before that it be. was never it was never a case of uh needing to go to the you know not needing to do anything in the sec tournament and man it just seems like lately modern almost basketball they've had to do a lot of work in the sec tournament this team will not have to do that assuming that it wins wednesday or one of arkansas missouri maybe two they're they're well positioned and we're now in in it now. I mean, it's almost over. It's almost go time, and um, your prophecy could soon come true. So now is the time to take my hat off and say, okay, David, you called it tongue in cheek, but you called it. So you got to get your just due. Look, it was based on nothing but uh, but the energy factor that I thought Kermit was going to bring into the program. That you it could sparks, see, it sparked was- some conversation and debate with your friend Ben. Is that what it was? Yeah, something like that. But I'm going to tell you, you know, the same just kind of vibe overview vibe i i got from what kermit was was interjecting into the program i'm getting that same vibe right now with the Ole Miss football team with rich rodriguez uh, and mike mcintyre uh, i really am I, I i mean look i i'm telling you now i i think this team is um is gonna, is gonna fight for six wins oh uh, he wouldn't go quite there on his last show with me and talk uh, to but, he wouldn't but, quite go there but, but I do. I, th- I think I think this is going to be a team that could very well end up playing in a bowl game next year, which would would be great ointment uh, for everything that's gone on for half a decade around here. You got um, your toes right up to the edge of the water, and you said, "You know what? I might say this. I might say this. Not going to be no, no. There there are problems. We we all know there are problems. You can't lose that many quality offensive players and not expect to take uh, some kind of hit there." But but I think this is going to be a different kind of team. I, I really and truly think this is going to be the, the the first team that you can pin solely on Matt Luke. I, I think this is his. I mean, it's his coaching staff. These are his players. Um, I mean, I think I think this is the first true uh, reading we're going to get on Matt Luke, and um, and I, I don't think it's going to be a bad reading. Well, in Jerry Palm's bracketology to close this out. He has almost as an eight seed in the Duke side of the bracket, which I would love for no other reason than Columbia is the closest drive. And two, no disrespect to Dom, even though this is going to come across as a shot, watching Zion Williamson versus Dominic Olenicek just for the comedy of it. That would be incredible. Assuming almost got out of the first round. That was harsh right there. I mean, it would be great. Zion Williamson has made a number of bigs across the country look like little leaguers when he's played against them. He's the number one overall pick in the draft coming up. It would, there's no way Dom or Bruce, Bruce can't defend anybody. So him having to try to defend Zion Williamson, I just would love to watch it. I would think it would be a fascinating thing. Hey, do you get the reward of the NCAA tournament? But this is where Ole Miss is still deficient. No disrespect to Dom, even though that was disrespectful, but it would be great. Zion Williamson versus Ole Miss's front court. Let's bring some March Madness back to Oxford. Yeah, just some March Madness would be fun. Thank you for doing this podcast with me for so long. Um, there's going to be rotating co-hosts starting on the next show for Thursday. I think Thursday's co-host is one Bunky Perkins. 
You know him from Twitter. I think he's going to be the co-host. But David has been the co-host for many a month. Thank you, my friend. I've enjoyed it. I've appreciated it. And uh, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Yeah, and we'll roll out. uh, Chris Brooks and I will roll out our new podcast on Friday morning. Not going to tell you what it's called yet. That's going to be a surprise, but uh, we're excited about it. And uh, thanks for having me on. I've really enjoyed uh, hanging out with you the last seven, eight months. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.